The leaked documents from the Pentagon prove once again that Joe Biden is a freaking liar. The city of Chicago deserves absolutely everything that it's going to get in the next four years. And California solves racism by implementing, you got it, more segregation. This is Gene and you're listening to Dumbasses Talking Politics. Hey, hey, this is Gene. Welcome back to Dumbasses Talking Politics. So much to talk about. So little time. We're not skipping Friday. We have to do some of the leftovers on Friday because there's just too much. But first things first, unfortunately, a lot of news. Let's get to the news. All right. I So Joe Biden's still in Ireland. Again, not uh, actually answering any serious questions that we are having here i'm not exactly sure what he's doing in ireland and so far my understanding is he's already pissed off the irish and the british and things like that i haven't gotten any confirmation with that but i mean they're already talking garbage over there so it's probably not going well of course we can't ask Biden any questions because he refuses to answer any questions. There will be zero press conferences in Ireland while he's there. And there have been zero press conferences for the last couple of weeks. And that's probably going to continue on. And the reason it's going to continue on is that he has got some real issues. The Pentagon leaks have turned into a disaster for him. Um, the visitor logs at the White House have been turned over, and apparently more lies are coming up about Hunter Biden and his business dealings. He's not going to talk to anyone ever again. With the way Gavin Newsom is running around right now the country, trying to scream how great California is and how miserable Ron DeSantis is, I think it's, a, it's very fair to say that Joe Biden may not be running in 2024, and that he will be replaced by Gavin Newsom, which, looking at the state of California, is going to be a good thing. I mean, Gavin Newsom has basically single-handedly, in four years, destroyed California. So, good for them. But let's get back to these document leaks, uh, because this is a big deal, and the Pentagon is flipping out about this, and contrary to what John Kirby wants, yeah, the press is not ignoring this. Now, do you know how the press could ignore this? Is if Joe Biden went up there and, like, spoke? I guarantee you they would go out of their way to protect Joe Biden. But instead, they've got John Kirby and Karen Jean-Pierre trying to make excuses for this, and no one is buying it. So, one of the documents leaked said that there is actually a U.S. military presence in Ukraine. Now, at first, a lot of people were questioning this, but the Pentagon press secretary, John Kirby, he confirmed it. He sat back and said, quote, I won't talk to the specifics of numbers and that kind of thing, but to get to your exact question, there is a small military, U.S. military presence at the embassy in conjunction with the defense attaché's office to help us work on accountability of the material that 
is going in and out of Ukraine. So they're attached to the embassy and to the defense attache. So what does this mean? There are special forces units at the embassy. Now, a small number. Again, what does that mean? I don't know. But what this does mean is that Joe Biden has been saying that there are no U.S. troops in Ukraine, and he's been lying. He got caught in another lie. And these the, the Pentagon is flipping out about these papers that were released. And they were flipping out about it yesterday, but apparently we're beginning to find out what's in them. And for some reason, they don't want to sit back. They don't want to address anything in this paper. They want it back. They're hunting for the guy who leaked this crap. And I got to be honest with you. I want to know what's actually in those papers now. And I'm one of these guys who believes in protecting, in protecting classified documents. But it's just lie after lie after lie. And right now the press, and not just Fox News or the Post Millennial or Daily Wire, they want to know what's going on. But Joe Biden, crickets, nowhere to be found. Well, you combine that with the fact that uh, apparently Hunter Biden's uh, business partners have visited the White House over 50 times, um, according to visitors' logs at the White House, there's a lot of questions Joe Biden has to answer. And all this crap about Donald Trump being impeached twice, this guy needs to be impeached. This guy needs to be not only impeached, he needs to be kicked out of office. And he needs to be investigated for the crime of corruption. That's coming, though. But anyway, the Biden administration, they continue to not solve any of the problems of today, but create laws and restrictions and regulations to make the lives of tomorrow miserable. So tomorrow, the White House, and Joe Biden isn't even here, so it makes me wonder who's running the White House, that they're going to make this major announcement when Joe Biden isn't even here. They plan to announce massive restrictions to tailpipe emissions for cars. The goal, according to the White House, quote, the White House said the regulations would protect public health by achieving carbon emissions reductions of nearly 10 billion tons by 2055 and would save consumers an average of $12,000 over the lifetime of their vehicles. Of course, they don't really explain how they're going to do that. Well, they don't explain a lot of things, but we'll get to that. Um, This will start affecting cars, car production by 2027. Now, this was all, this whole thing was made up by the EPA. So the EPA made this recommendation. Talk about one of the most worthless bureaucracies in, in United States government, the EPA. So they made this up. The Biden administration went with it. So according to Fox News, overall, if the regulations are finalized, a staggering 67% of new sedan, crossover, SUV, and light truck purchases could be electric by 2032. The White House projected, in addition, up to 50% of bus and garbage truck, 
35% of short-haul freight tractor and 25% of long-haul freight tractor purchases could be electric by 2032. Now, you might be saying to yourself, wow, well, there are a lot of electric cars out there now. No, they're not. Currently, throughout the United States, only 5.8% of vehicles are zero emission cars in the United States. Now, I'm not even, I, let's not even, let me, let me, qual yeah, no, EVs, that's what they are. Okay, zero emission cars, 5.8%. And by the way, that Prius you drive, that's not what they're talking about. You got to get rid of those Priuses too, because those things actually do uh, use gas. All right. California, which has the most EVs in the country, only has 16%. The roads are only 16% of the EVs. So there's a big joke. You can't spit without hitting a Tesla. That's true, but they only make up like 16% of the cars. Now, there is no explanation on how the technology is going to get much cheaper by 2032. The average car of the average average cost of an EV right now is $64,000. The average cost of a gas-powered car is 26,000. So, we're not really sure how you're going to cut by two-thirds the price of EVs. There's no talk about that. There's also no talk about okay, well, how is the infrastructure going to handle all of these cars that need to be plugged in. Here's something no one talks about, especially in California. In California, if I turn on my fan, I, we have a blackout. It, it, the, the infrastructure, the electrical infrastructure in California is so bad that last summer, when it wasn't even that hot, California government was sitting back and saying, um, don't charge your cars in the middle of the day. They actually said that. So what's going to happen? And we only have 16% of electric cars. What's going to happen when we're at 50% or 60% or 70%? Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, We'll see how that works out. Okay, in our last bit of news, and this is huge, um, there was a trans activist who went to a Catholic church, Catholic church, okay, defaced the statue of Mary, spray-painted F Catholics on the walls, and ass assaulted a church employee, and threatened an elderly church patron, and then ran away, resisted arrest. Now, you might be saying to yourself, you might think, I'm just throwing this out here, that that would be considered a hate crime. You would be so wrong. According to the Justice Department, they made a plea deal with this guy. It's a guy who thinks he's a girl, by the way. He's a trans guy, of course. Of course. They made a deal with this guy, and uh, the plea deal includes no jail time and no hate crime tag. Mike Davis, the founder of Article 3 Project, told Fox News, quote, It is very clear the Biden, Biden Justice Department has politicized and weaponized the FACE Act to go after, after pro-life Christians praying outside of an abortion clinic like Mark Houck while turning a blind eye to violent felons terrorizing and badly damaging Catholic churches like this person did. 
Uh, now, the FACE Act is the act that says you can't block an entrance to an abortion clinic. Now, somehow the FACE Act expanded into you can't be in front of a clinic, and you definitely can't pray in front of a clinic, or you'll be arrested. Don't forget, Mike Mark Hauk, he was just released. His charges were dismissed by a court with some semblance of sanity, and he faced 11 years because he was assaulted by an abortion clinic employee. I mean, it's on video. He was assaulted. And, and well, let's not go assaulted. He was being harassed. Specifically, the employee, who is a coward, harassed his 14-year-old son. And he faced 11 years because he was caught praying in front of that abortion clinic before he was harassed. And by the way, uh, the Biden administration still has not mentioned the names of the victims of the trans activist mass shooter. And I'm going to call her a trans activist because she is. She was a trans man, which means she's a chick. They still have not admitted that this is possibly a hate crime. They still have not talked about the church. They still have not, or the, the school, the, the Christian school. They still have not visited the Christian school. There is a war on Christianity. This will be the next war. And I'm, we're going to talk about that tomorrow because just in the last week, the war has been stepped up. And we're going to go over a bunch of stories tomorrow about what is happening with when it comes to the attacks on the Christian church. Okay, so that was our news. So let's get to our first story. I do have a lot to talk about today. So <coughs> Chicago is celebrating uh, the fact that they got rid of Lori Lightfoot as mayor. Terrible human being. And I, 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 she's a terrible mayor too, but she's just, she's just a terrible human being. I mean, Lori Lightfoot was just, a bad person. I mean, I don't know what else to say. Crime is up over 60%. Drug use is up. Homelessness is up. Quality of life is down. Their taxes are way too high. It's dirty. Chicago has a population problem. People are leaving in droves. They're all going to, guess where? Texas and Florida and Tennessee. So, needless to say, she was primaried. They got rid of her. Businesses are leaving Chicago. It's such a terrible place. So, and and she was the first incumbent primaried in like 100 years. So, this is, this does not happen in Chicago. So, to solve all of those problems, the people of Chicago decided to vote for a guy named Brandon Johnson. Now, is he a Republican? No. Is he conservative? No. Is he a moderate? <laughs> no. He is a frigging leftist with the same demented ideas that created the mess in Chicago in the first place. He actually ran on defunding the police. But he, of course, he backed off of that when people started asking, you know, crime is way up here. Uh, carjackings are up 70%. Uh, then he ran on systemic racism. He basically called all whites racist. He did this in his in his 
uh, campaign. Basically, he's a taller, more attractive version of Lori Lightfoot. And I'm not kidding you. I would rather F Brandon Johnson than Lori Lightfoot. She was a just a terrible looking human being. So he's decided that, you know, we do Chicago does have a crime problem. And he he has decided what is causing the crime problem. So let's hear what he's got to say. This is him talking on CBS News this week. And he's going to define what the big problem is. Well, first of all, you know, unfortunately for too long, um, the people of Chicago and, quite frankly, people all over the country have been given a false false choice on how we actually deal with public safety. Um, What our campaign proved is that you can actually demonstrate um, in a real way how critical investments are the necessary um, dynamics in order to prevent crime. I mean, that's the ultimate goal is to prevent crime. And as I indicated in my um, victory speech, you know, my wife and I were raising three beautiful children on the west side of Chicago. It's a beautiful neighborhood. It's the Austin community, um, but it is arguably one of the most violent neighborhoods in the entire city. And so, you know, I have tremendous incentive to make sure that not just my neighborhood and my children are safe, but to make sure that the people of Chicago are safe. And, and the way we do that is by investing in people. There's a direct correlation between youth employment and violence reduction. Um, there's a tremendous correlation between providing mental health care services and reducing crime. You know, this notion that the only way in which, you know, we can protect the people of Chicago and the people of, of, of our country is this notion of being tough. You know, what is required in this moment is for us to be smart uh, about our investments, to be critical in our thinking, and to make sure that what we're doing actually works. I love when people do this. Investments. Investments into people. Investments into services. What he's basically talking about is raising taxes. He, th- he is actually, in that statement, indirectly, I, and I'm going to get to how I know this, he is, di- he is indirectly saying, hey, we got to raise taxes. Well, he was a little bit more, he was a little bit more forward with this. According to the Daily Mail, quote, Johnson said 70% of large corporations in the state of Illinois don't pay their corporate taxes. It's the type of restraint on our budget that has caused the type of dis- disinvestment that has led to poverty, of course, that has to be that has led to violence. In other words, corporate taxes. Now he's called, he has made, he has called for specifics here. He's called for an additional $80 million to be raised for the city so that they can spend on their worthless programs that have never worked, by the way. They've never worked. He, he made this claim he made the claim that he doesn't want to raise property taxes, which is basically the easiest way he can raise taxes. And by the way, the property tax over there is 6.7%. That's really, really high. And that's just the minimum property tax. If you go to the outskirts of Chicago, to some of the suburbs, the taxes can be as high as 13%. So they have really high property taxes already in Chicago. And raising the property tax again may not even be possible. 
and definitely won't be uh, won't be um, popular. Now, to give you an example of how high those taxes are, the property taxes in California are one percent. Now we have something called Prop 13 in California, which puts the top tax at 13 percent. Now California is, of course, trying to change that because they love taxes, and they they in the last two elections, they've had things out there to try and get rid of Prop 13. They failed both times, but it will eventually pass, especially if California wants to get rid of property altogether. But he wants to raise the $80 billion on corporate tax by corporate taxes. I don't know if he has the power to do that, but that's what he wants to do. So, by the way, Chicago, Rite Aid is leaving Chicago. Walmarts are beginning to wonder if they should close because there's so much crime over there. Starbucks is closing businesses there. Starbucks, of all places, is closing businesses. You can't spit in in San Diego. You can't spit without hitting a Starbucks. They're actually closing shops over there. McDonald's is moving out of Chicago. They're already losing big business in Chicago. And now they want to raise the corporate tax? What do you think is going to happen? These businesses, which, by the way, are all woke... They're just going to go someplace else. But here's the other thing. This guy was a huge, is a huge defund the police guy. And this wasn't a popular stance. Okay, this wasn't a popular stance. And he had to back off of that. But guess what? He's right back on it again. Here he is on the same program talking about how he will handle crime in Chicago. You know, I'll never forget the profound words of former President Barack Obama, you know, when he said that if he were to have a son, he would have looked like Trayvon. And then you fast forward to Mike Brown, mm-hmm. um, Freddie Gray, um, you know, uh, Quantonio Legreer here in Chicago, who was having a mental health crisis. And the only equipment on the scenes, on the scene were guns. And he's dead. And Betty Jones, his neighbor, who came to his defense, um, was uh, is, is dead. And so this is really about making sure that people understand the context of the level of frustration. Um, when you see Understood. that type of brutal over and over again, it certainly can be discouraging. So if defunding the police isn't the answer, what do you plan to do with your resources? Is it less money or more money to police departments? Well, it's it's more money towards the the areas of needs, right? And as mm-hmm. I mentioned before, you know, we're working to double the amount of young people that we hire, um, not just for summer jobs, but for year-round positions. Um, one of the things that I think is actually quite fascinating about um, our position here in Chicago, we've been pushing this ordinance called Treatment Not Trauma. In essence, first responders, uh, social workers, counselors, EMT, these individuals would show up to cause um, that, that require those type of interventions. In fact, in Chicago, almost 40% of the 911 calls are mental health crises. We're asking mm. police officers to do their job and someone else's. Mm-hmm. Like That's not strategic. In fact, 60% of the violence that happens in the city of Chicago, it occurs in 6% of the city. You know, this jerk-off is going to mention those names. Okay, Michael Brown and Trayvon Martin were killed because of self-defense. Michael Brown was was a- actually 
committed a strong-arm robbery 10 minutes before he attacked a police officer and shot. Trayvon Martin wasn't killed by a cop. Trayvon Martin was killed by a guy he attacked. As far as the third, the, the uh, Gray, who he talked about, he was killed in police custody, I believe. I believe he was in a he was in police custody. The police officers hooked him up wrong inside of the the police uh, tr- van that he was being taken in, and he broke his neck. I mean, he wasn't attacked by the cops that we know of, and a couple of cops were black, so that's not exactly a a flowing argument. And of course, the last guy he mentioned, I can't remember his name. Uh, he had a mental health crisis. Yeah, that mental health crisis was the guy was high on meth and heroin, had excited delirium, started running out naked in the middle of the street during a polar vortex, and started trying to break into houses. The cops got there, put him on the ground, of course cuffed him, and then called the amb- called an ambulance, called the fire department to come and pick him up. And he ended up dying of a heart attack. So he wasn't shot by the police or anything. But the point is, the point is, this is the false narrative that the left creates. We're all systemically racist, even though every one of those things doesn't prove systemic racism. It proves that bad people make bad decisions and bad things happen to them. None of those guys were killed, were were, well, I mean, a bunch of them weren't killed by cops. One, the one that was killed by cop that they he mentioned was complete self-defense. He wants to move money from the police to young counselors. By the way, that's called defunding the police. When you take money from the police, you're actually defunding them. I can't believe I have to make this argument with people. Well, you're not really defunding the police. You're just moving the money. That's de- You're taking it away from the police and you're putting it somewhere else. That's defunding the police. You ha- hire less police and more mental health counselors. And then this, this moron wants to send these mental health counselors to handle domestic calls, domestic issues. Do you know what the police say is the most dangerous call a police officer can get domestic issues they will tell you everyone's heated everyone's angry some of the time there's violence a lot of the time there's violence and some of the time that violence involves a weapon now i'm not going to blame this guy he's just a moron i mean he's an idiot he's stuck in the narrative and you, that might be a shock to you. I, I'm not going to blame him. He's just, he is what he is. Okay? But here's the thing. I blame, I blame the citizens of Chicago. They voted for him. This guy ran on exactly the same thing that has been done six years prior by Lori Lightfoot. And they think, you really think that in, insanity is doing the same things over and over again and expecting a different result. This is insanity. This is absolute craziness. So F the people of Chicago. F the people of Chicago for continually voting for these idiots. 
F the people of California and New York who continually vote for these idiots. You get what you deserve. And when your states and cities become dystopian, night, nightmare scapes, you get what you deserved. F you. Waste your money. And then everybody who has money will just leave. All the businesses will just leave. And then you can demonize those businesses. But F you. Those businesses will be will flourish in states like Tennessee, Florida, and Texas. Speaking of California, we got to get moving on here. Um, if you live in California, your kids are not your kids. That's right. They belong to the state. And there's not a damn thing you can do about it. Isn't that awesome? By the way, they're trying to do the same thing in New York. According to the Post-Millennial, Wednesday evening, the Chico Unified School Board in Chico, California, voted 3-2 to two in favor of schools having the ability to keep secrets from parents. The board agreed to keep the current policy, which directs staff not to reveal a child's gender identity to their parents. It instead allows a child to determine when the school is allowed to tell parents about the change of their gender identity. According to a report from Fox News, the policy, called the Parental Secrecy Policy by the school board, that's not dystopian or anything, came up for a vote after the Center for American Liberty filed a lawsuit against the school district. The lawsuit was brought on behalf of Aurora Regino, who told her story to the school board before the vote. The suit alleges that the school guidance counselor in the district helped helped. Regina's, Regino's 11-year-old daughter transition without her knowledge or consent. Here is her speech. It's a little long, and yes, I'm going over, but this stuff's kind of important, and I can't skip California because I talked about California. We haven't even got to the racism thing yet. Hi, for those that don't know me, my name is Aurora Regino, and I am the mother that filed a lawsuit in federal court against Chico Unified for transitioning my daughter without my knowledge. I'm here today to tell my story so parents and the public know what is going on in our schools. Last year, my 11-year-old daughter was in elementary school here at Chico Unified, and her elementary school transitioned her from female to male behind my back. Shortly before this happened, my father had recently passed away, and I was diagnosed with breast cancer. My daughter was distressed and began questioning her sexuality, so she decided to reach out to a wellness counselor at her elementary school. The day my daughter shared her guidance shared with her guidance counselor that she felt like a boy, the counselor immediately affirmed this new identity. From then on, the counselor continued to have one-on-one -on -one meetings with my daughter without my knowledge. During one of those one-on-one -on -one meetings, my daughter told the counselor she wanted to tell me about her new identity. The counselor ignored her requests and did nothing to support her in letting me know what was going on at school. Throughout her transition, my daughter changed very quickly, was bullied, and as a result, was very unhappy. And because her school kept this transition a secret for me. She was on her own. I'm a busy working mother just like the rest of you. Before this happened to our family, I would have not believed this was going on in our schools, especially at the elementary level. I want everyone to know I understand that I 
I want everyone to understand that I want a space for our LGBTQ and trans community members to feel safe and supported, but the policy currently in place at Chico Unified has been damaging to our family, and I am not up here talking about what could happen if you continue this policy. I am up here telling you what did happen to our family. This was a time when she needed me the most, and you kept it a secret from me. I understand that you are trying to find ways to create a safe environment for all children within our district by keeping secrets from parents is not the way to do it. Treating every parent as a potential threat to their kids is wrong. I know it's easy to make up a narrative when it comes to my case. I know it's easy for people to judge and say my daughter must have not felt safe or supported, and that's the reason for telling her counselor. But regardless of what people say, I love my children, and there isn't anything they could ever do to change that. I wouldn't, it wouldn't have mattered to me whether my daughter continued to identify as a male. I would love her the same. It's a slippery slope to allow any adult in our schools to keep secrets from parents for any reason. The actions the school board district took to immediately exclude me from supporting my daughter was very damaging to her and our family. She was very young and didn't understand what being transgender really meant or the obstacle she would face going through a transition. The school transitioned her and left her to figure it out on her own. It seems to me the district is getting it wrong on both sides. You don't know how to handle these very serious and sensitive situations because once you transitioned her, you left her to handle it all by herself, the bullying and the staff even Thank outing you. her. Thank you. There's a book uh, called Stolen Youth by Bethany Mandel and Carol, Carol Markowitz. And they talk about, one of the things the book talks about is, is the attack on kids. Okay. Um, and this attack is coming from all directions. It's coming from media. It's coming from healthcare. It's coming from psychi uh, psychiatry. It's coming from the schools. It's coming from the government. It's coming from all the institutions. And it basically discusses this. And one of the first things I thought of when I heard this speech not only of this book, but just what kind of counseling and mental health professionals are out there. If I'm a counselor and I hear that this kid lost her grandfather and in the same month her mother was diagnosed with breast cancer, the first thing I would say to myself is, okay, this kid's got some serious issues. She's dealing with some serious things. And probably whatever she says here needs to be dealt with before we start talking about, I'm a boy. Okay? Now, the one thing I will say with this woman is one thing I didn't like about her speech is she did kind of affirm transitioning her daughter from a, a girl to a boy. Why would you do that? Why would you do that as a parent? Your child is going through huge trauma in the last few years. Let's not forget the pandemic. And that's not even talking about her breast cancer and her grandfather dying. Why would you even consider allowing this kid to transition. Why would you make the announcement? You basically affirmed the counselor. You must reject the counselor. The counselor's opinion. Because that counselor is not doesn't give a damn about your child's mental health. 
if that counselor did give a damn about that child's mental health, she wouldn't be pushing her to transition from a girl to a boy before dealing with the other issues. It's all crap. But one of the reasons I bring up stolen youth is that it talks about how all these counselors are trained to do this. That gender-affirming care has become the standard. It's disgusting. Now, I'm glad she's suing. I'd like to hear that she took her kid out of that damn school. But this is what California is doing. Mind you, it's not a law in the school district. It's actually a California law now. The school has to do that. Because they don't care. Your kids are not your own. And this is one of the reasons why 20% of the kids have been pulled out of schools. The pandemic didn't help. The way the teachers unions dealt with the pandemic was horrid. And they're paying for it right now. You need to pull your kids out of schools. They're not helping your kids. They don't give a rat's ass about the kids. They are there to push their agenda. And this men can be women and women can be men crap is part of their agenda. They don't care if that kid is miserable. They don't care if that kid commits suicide. They'll suddenly blame the gun or they'll blame something else. They don't care that they're hurting the kids. Okay, well, more than that. All animals are created equal, but some are more equal than others. In our last story, California continues to be one of the most racist states in the country. Yes, I'm saying they are racist. The only state that's giving California a run for its money is New York, and I think California's past New York. Uh, according to the post-millennium, a new bill proposed in California would create an ebony alert system to specifically notify the public when black women and children go missing. While the state already has a missing persons alert system, this, would, this one would only be for black women and children. The state currently has an amber alert for missing children, a silver alert for missing elderly, a feather alert for missing indigenous persons. The, now, the, the feather alert, that might sound asinine. It actually isn't because um, the feather alert system is because Indians ha a lot of Indians live on reservations, so the law enforcement works a little differently. So it, the, the feather alert actually does make sense. Continuing with the article, the Amber Alert system is not race segregated like the Ebony Alert would be. In a release on the race-based crime bill, State Senator Stephen Bradford said that the bill would, quote, address the often ignored or lack of attention given to black children and young black women that are missing in California, end quote. His reasoning is that black children, which comprise 38% of those reported missing in the United States, are often classified as runaways, meaning that their disappearance does not trigger the Amber Alert system. This is another way of trying to create racism out of nothing. This is complete bullshit. 
And yes, I'm going to start saying bullshit because it's same as crap. Um, I get Amber Alerts on my phones all the time. It happens all the time in California. Most of the Amber Alerts actually relate to Hispanic people. But there are also blacks, there are also whites, there are also Asians that are alerted. And how can you tell? Because they give a description, not only of the car and the license plate, but they give a description of the child and the perpetrator. If this guy says that most blacks don't get set up in the Amber Alert system, I would like some proof. I'm going to need to see some evidence because I don't believe him. I just don't believe him. This is not about reality. It's about social justice and inventing another reason to show that the country is systemically racist. That's what all this is. And how do these idiot politicians cure systemic uh, racism, by the way? What is his plan for curing systemic racism? By implementing systemic segregation. And that's what this is. We're already seeing a ton of it. So, F you, California. Keep doing your thing. You're just making the state hate each other more. And that's what they want. They want the segregation. They want people to hate each other. They want whites to hate blacks. And they want blacks to hate whites. And why? Because if we're fighting each other, we can't fight the government. That's the point. And by the way, that's real common. That's what happens. I mean, I'm read, I just finished um, some, some work by Thomas Jefferson, some of his writings, and that of George Washington. And they both sit there, which... I'm sorry, should be required reading in schools. It should be required reading, especially Thomas Jefferson. The guy is extremely well-read, and he's very easy to read. This stuff should be described because that's what Thomas Jefferson and George Washington talked about. If we are not one America, we are separated, and then despotism this could happen. Tyranny could happen. That's where it grows. It grows because we are a separate pop population. Now, at the time, they were talking about, believe it or not, they were talking about the North and the South. They were talking about slavery. Yes, I know. Thomas Jefferson and George Washington were slaveholders. Yes, they were. Thomas Jefferson had made it very clear in his writings that slavery needed to be ended in the United States or the United States would be cursed by God, just like the Egyptians were cursed by God by enslaving the Jews. Remember that? That's Exodus. He knew that the United States needed to end slavery. He was, and he knew it would end, because the United States had no choice. But we had no, we have no right, and we will be cursed if we do not end the slavery of other human beings. That's what he said. He always considered blacks human beings. So our, so our founding was on ending any type of discrimination and racism. They pushed this. But these people, no, no. They don't want to hear it anymore. And I'm just so sick and tired of hearing them. Okay, so, 
Um, we're done for the day. I, I've got two more stories. I guess these are going to go on Friday because tomorrow's is going to be a big day. Tomorrow's going to be a huge day. So we're going to we're going to talk about uh, the attacks on Christianity. And basically, the attacks on Christianity are the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven stories that have happened in the last week. Love you all. God bless. This is Gene, and you've listened to Dumbasses Talking Politics.